0: The origin of REDD+, is actually this idea of compensated reduction, which was first proposed at the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change Conference of Parties in Milan. In 2003, and basically a group of Brazilian and international scientists proposed the idea that tropical countries who were able to show that they had reduced carbon emissions from deforestation would be compensated, compensated financially through some sort of carbon crediting system within the post-Kyoto Protocol. You know the international climate change mitigation processes that were happening at the time that. The Kyoto Protocol did not include avoided deforestation for a lot of reasons, but one of them was the idea that it was technically too hard to include forests. And so this group of scientists was really trying to show that it wasn't too hard and that this could be a a really crucial way to, to save tropical forests by actually including them into this international convention. And it got a lot of traction very quickly. This idea that carbon markets could actually secure large-scale financing at a scale that had never before been injected into the forestry sector. That was very exciting. An idea that it would have a national-level focus. So so countries would be responsible for, for measuring, reporting, and verifying their emissions reductions and have to maybe change policies and do some innovative governance to be able to reduce emissions. With the Amazonian countries, were they all very supportive of this initiative? Well, what's interesting is that Brazil and Brazilian scientists were very much part of this, this compensated reduction idea. But it wasn't so easy to get passed through at the time because Brazil, like many other tropical countries, had the position of industrialised countries have been polluting for many, many years. Why suddenly should tropical forestry, forested countries be inhibited from, from development? Why should they be punished when, when industrialised countries had been able to develop without restriction for a long time, which makes a lot of sense. But I think what, what this group of scientists actually showed, and many of them Brazilian scientists, that the idea isn't to impede development. It was actually to place value on this standing forest as a, as a carbon stock and use it as a leverage to reduce deforestation and, and simply put more value, financial value, on this resource. So since the beginning, Brazil has been at the forefront of this. This idea of compensated reduction started in 2003, but the RED acronym really wasn't brought forward internationally until about 2005. And it just focused on deforestation, so reduced emissions from deforestation. That was the first D. You know, a, a, little, a little bit after that, a couple years later, it was recognized that it's not only deforestation, but it's also forest degradation, needed to be to be addressed. Forest degradation is basically extraction of timber, forest fires, anything that may not be in a full-on clearing of forest, but that also contributes to emitting carbon, and and so that's when the second D came into red. Was was that's the forest degra- degradation part of of red, and then. Just a bit after that, too, the plus came in. And the plus idea is that sustainable forest management, conservation of forests, enhancement of forest carbon stocks, those should also be activities that are recognized in this international framework. So I think it's important to tell that story because it shows how red evolved from a very simple idea of deforestation and a a transaction. Uh, Beyond even the red plus idea, very quickly there was this idea of mitigating risk. So making sure that social and environmental values were upheld with this idea that local people would not bear the burden of restricted access to forest, for example, within such a framework, or that a full-on focus on carbon wouldn't undermine biodiversity conservation because you may have as much carbon in a plantation as you could have in a a natural forest being cleared for a plantation. So you don't want, these perverse incentives that could actually be bad for local people or for for the environment within the RED framework. So now, after all that evolution, what does RED Plus seek to achieve? Well, it looks very different than it looked, you know, just even five, ten years ago. I mean, okay, first of all, this these carbon markets that were supposed to materialize did not. So the large-scale financing behind RED isn't there. And what you have mostly is you know, public funding, so donor countries giving funding um, to, to red countries. For example, in Brazil, a good example of this is the Amazon Fund. Um, Norway's pledge to Brazil for one, $1 billion to support forest-based climate change mitigation in the Brazilian Amazon. But it looks a lot more like that and a lot less like carbon trading. And another thing that has happened, this national level focus actually started to, to broaden local projects and sub-national programs, like state programs, gained prominence. The international policy process was calling for a set of policies and measures that countries would follow to reduce emissions at a national level and, and then be compensated for that. So that process was much slower than, you know, what was happening locally and maybe at the state level in some of these places, including in Brazil and Peru. To date, you still don't have a consolidated national red framework in those two countries, but you do have a lot of subnational and local advancement. That said, you you need to have coordination across levels. You can't have the nation-state doing one thing and and states, you know, doing something different. So there, there, and there has been a lot of effort. I mean, you know, to try and coordinate, especially in Brazil. I think the Ministry of Environment that was leading the national process had a task force where it was working with the states to try and coordinate efforts and align efforts. What does coordination actually mean, and what would the benefit of coordination be? Well, for example, you know, local red projects and even states were developing their own reference levels for carbon, so a baseline, whereas, you know, and the national... Baseline was being developed maybe independently. In certain cases, the states had an eye on what the national baseline would be, and so they were already trying to align, but that wasn't a given. So you had local red projects, I mean for sure in Brazil and also in, in Peru, for example, creating their own baselines, and that's how they measure the, the success of the carbon emission. Depending on how those baselines are defined, that's how much benefit you could have potentially. That's how much you could be compensated for how much you've reduced. So it's, it's, it's not just a technical baseline, but there's also political decisions that are made in constructing those baselines. And so you, if you have this disjunct between a local baseline and a national baseline, you could potentially have problems. So there's, there there was a lot of coordination, there is a lot of coordination needed in that aspect. And, and not only in the carbon part, but also in the non-carbon part. I think, you know, in some, what we're seeing now is that red on the ground, not only in the Amazon, but globally, is not what we thought it would look like in 2005, 2007, or even maybe 2009 and 10. It's, it's evolved to look like something very different.